0: Hello, you're listening to the Preaching Sense podcast. Today, I talked to Rob Lawless, who spends his days talking to strangers. Kind of scary. He's working on a project called Rob's 10K Friends, where he meets with various people for an hour at a time, with the ultimate goal of meeting 10,000 new people. So today, I got to be one of those people. Sort of a cross-platform experience. You scratch my back, I scratch yours. Funny thing about my back, is it... Never mind. Uh, we spent some time talking about Rob's story and some time talking about my own. Uh, a lot of relatable themes and um, some good insight to be had by all. Enjoy. Uh, for listeners, this is Rob Wallace. He, is, that is that how you pronounce yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> Okay, right. simple name. Um, this is Rob Wallace. He's, well, what's the, what's the name of the company
1: that you started? So it's a- uh, I'll let you explain it. Yeah. So I'll call it, like, I always refer to it as a project. Um, sure company, whatever, Uh, but it's Rob's 10K Friends and what it is, it's like, I'm spending one hour with 10,000 different people, so when I started it, like, Rob's 10K Friends was the Instagram handle that I started with and it's kind of become, like, my website and I guess, like, the brand of the project and so, yeah, it's just me meeting 10,000 people for one hour each. And I always say to see what comes with opening doors for no particular reason. And it's kind of turned into like me learning about their lives and sharing their stories as well. How did you transition
0: from doing, I guess, <clears throat> well, did you have jobs out of college before this? Like how did you transition from working to like just, I want to do this instead?
1: Yeah. So when I graduated, so I studied finance at Penn State and okay. I graduated in 2013 and straight out of school, I worked for Deloitte Consulting. Okay. So... That was good. Like I hated the job, but it was well paying, and I was living at home and traveling, so I saved a bunch of money during that time. And then October of 2014, I switched to a tech startup in Philly called RJ Metrics. It was like a data analytics company. Okay. And so that company at the time had 24 million in funding, and for me to st- like, I took a pay cut to go from Deloitte to that company, and I was like, well, this will be sweet because. 24 million in funding, they had gotten 16 and a half of that 24 in September, and I joined in October, so I was, like, right on the upswing. Okay. And I did that, and because I was then working in Center City, I moved from my hometown of Narstown, which is the suburbs of Philly, into the city to cut down on my commute, and that was June of 2015, and it was, like, a few months later that I was like, I should actually just start this project like i wanted to do something cool with my life that wasn't tied like i didn't want my success to be tied to that of a company i just mm-hmm. wanted to do something of my own yeah and so i started this and i met the first person november 11th of 2015 that was like the only person i met that entire month and then i met four people in all of december and four people in all of january five in february and it just kind of like kept picking up uh-huh. um Yeah, but I would just meet people after work and in June of this year, so like six or seven months ago, I was laid off because the company was then acquired by another company. So I'd met like a hundred people by that point and also had just started to get some press. So that was the time when I was like, I'm going to take this full time and I'm going to take it as far as I can go on my savings. As opposed to like jumping back into another job, was there like a particular moment or I guess maybe even a
0: person that influenced or inspired you to, to want to do something? Well, because I know there there I have friends who would describe their jobs as exactly what you're saying. Like uh huh. That it's it pays well. Yeah. And there there's upward movement potential, but mm-hmm. they they aren't really satisfied. But whatever, like it's work. And mm-hmm.
1: it's,
0: so, if to me it seems like it would take something or someone mm-hmm. to to change the mindset. Yeah. So is like, is there a particular
1: thing or you kind of just started feeling like you wanted to do something else? Yeah. I think I had the mindset before I had the job. Like I was one of those kids in high school who wanted to own their own business. I just didn't like, I think this is what that is for me Mm -hmm. at the time. I didn't know what it looked like, but, um, yeah, I was like, I was one of those kids. I, I guess I was an overachiever through high school and college and just that I did well in school and I was always involved in clubs and activities. And in the the high school, whatever, you know, like the yearbook stuff that they vote, like yeah, whatever. Yeah. They write hags. Every, yeah. yeah, yeah like right I was voted like most likely to be successful or whatever, yeah. like that type of deal. And so um, that's yeah, cool. Yeah. that's yeah, a like, nice honor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was like, I got to live up to it. Right. Yeah. But um, I, I always wanted to be like, and I never wanted to be like famous or anything like that, but I wanted to be like kids in homeroom to be like, oh, that kid sat in front of me in homeroom or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, sort of famous, but like famous and th- like gold. known, I guess. Yeah, okay. okay. Or well-regarded, but right. yeah, when I was in college, like my roommate and I, we we literally used to come up with ideas in like the middle of the night and write them down and be like, this is going to be our million-dollar idea. <laughs> I've gone through that phase. Yeah, here. yeah, and I, I think like, I think it's what we grew up with in that we had, like, Mark Zuckerberg in Facebook and we had Evan Spiegel in Snapchat, mm-hmm. and it's like, these dudes are out here our age making billions of dollars, like, why am I going to work for 30 years in this job that I don't like? So, for me, I was always looking for an escape before I was even in the thing. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, and just to give, like, a little bit more context, the the foundation of this idea It started six months after graduation because I was like I'll meet 10,000 people in one year and that's ambitious yeah and I was like I'll just do like ten-minute conversations I'll do it for seven hours a day and I was like that will like I was like in a year of my life I'll be super known like I'll be able to do whatever I want and then I was like that's a terrible idea but it eventually evolved into this being like me stop stopping trying to become an overnight success and being like, why don't I, like, very slowly chip away at something that I really enjoy? Yeah, build a stronger foundation. Yeah, yeah. Which, and actually like doing it while you're doing mm-hmm. it, which I guess is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's huge. Like, I think at having a, the foundation of a struggle or at least a journey to the destination yeah. is, is huge because... You have no basis if you're an overnight success, like an actual overnight right. success. Right. If it fails, you're like, you didn't have anything to begin with. You yeah, kind of yeah. Just, you just lucked into it
0: or it just happened. Mm. Like, you're not going to think of that next idea yeah. necessarily. You mm-hmm. might just, that might be it. Yeah. The um the hour thing I like, well, because 10 minutes is just not enough, I think, to, mm-hmm. um, to really get anyone's story. I mean, mm-hmm. I... I've gotten complaints from friends who listen to this podcast where like it's too long. Oh, really? And it's only I mean the shortest one's 50 minutes. I think the longest one's like an hour and a half. Uh-huh. And I don't think you can really like get any points across in less than that. I mean that's mm. it's one of the problems with with media or just like yeah, I guess media in general nowadays uh-huh. is so short that everyone takes everything out of context because there's no actual context. Mm-hmm. You don't know what anyone actually thinks. That's true. Um the podcasts that I am most influenced by are all at least two hours long. Mm-hmm. Joe Rogan does his for, like, three hours at a time, sometimes mm-hmm. four. And some people are like, that's insane. You I wouldn't want to listen to that. But if it's if if the people doing the podcast or the radio show or whatever, if they're people that you don't know that well, mm-hmm. you're not going to really get what they're saying. And like, you need some sort of background information. Yeah. Just like... I don't know. Give someone time to actually get through mm-hmm. their points because I think people are so quick to be like, "Oh, you said this. You like now I know exactly what you mean." But mm-hmm. no one interprets things properly the first yeah. time. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah, with with the extra with the the full hour, it seems like you'd really get a good
1: grasp on like what type of person someone is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you I agree with you too because I think about that and I'm like. That is a good amount of time to scratch at least the surface of someone's life and like get a feeling of who they are yeah but there's still so much to their lives like that yeah like it's crazy I've had people who I've become more close with like reveal deeper parts of their lives to me once they became more comfortable with me after that hour Mm -hmm. and so it's like you just never know there's always more to someone um and I like the hour in the beginning because at the time, I was doing tech sales when I started it, and it would be a thirty minute conversation, so it's just like, "Hey, what's your role at the company? What are your problems? Here's how we can help and okay. For me, thirty minutes was such a business like length of time that you could get absolutely nowhere with anyone personally, and yeah. so I felt like an hour gave me time to to run out of topics to speak about, and I thought that was a cool thing because you would get to a point where you felt like you were out of things to say and then you had to sit there and be like, all right, what else can I think about? And that's when you <laughs> go like a level deeper. Right. Yeah. You need you need
0: to actually like process what has happened so far in the conversation and say, okay, now now we can move on to this. Like it's not something you can plan beforehand really. Right. It's sh- If it's just a script, like you're not – you're only going to know the script of what that person was supposed to tell you and then you don't get anymore. Uh-huh. I mean I've only really you're the first person that I've done this the podcast with that I didn't know before. Oh really. We've all been like pretty close friends. Really? Yeah, I mean a lot of times we just film ourselves pregaming on like, Friday nights. Yeah, <laughs> That's great. I, I don't know if people like <laughs> listening to those ones or not. I think they're they're funny at uh-huh. least. Um but yeah, even for people that are good friends, like I they they'll say things that I have never heard them say before. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I mean, maybe it's that they know they're being recorded or it's just like, we've never just sat down without checking our phones for an hour and mm-hmm. actually talked. Like I only have a couple friends that I ever do that with. Most of the time there's some, there's some other distraction. There's a game on in the background, there's mm-hmm. something going on yeah. or there's more than two people in the room and you never like really get, you r- never really get certain aspects, I guess, of people. Cause yet, yeah, even an hour is not enough to know the full story of someone, but it, just the format itself of like just a just a free form hangout, like we're just going to talk, you, mm-hmm. you'll get things just from that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I definitely like that a lot. Um, yeah, there's a lot of similarities, I think, um, in terms like between what you're doing and what I'm doing, I think, which is cool. Like, yeah, yeah, when, um, Brett Altman, for those that don't know him, was our mutual friend. Mm-hmm. Um, he was telling me that I should meet you. And I was like, yeah, I sort of like get what he's doing,
1: uh-huh.
0: um. Aside from just wanting to, like, have hour-long discussions or longer discussions with people, Mm -hmm. the idea of, like, creating your own thing is just as appealing as anything to me. Mm -hmm. Um, The one thing I wanted to ask on top of that, though, about, like, being in charge of your own life is, like, how does your family or, like, the people that... I guess it is mostly just your family. Like, how do they react? Mm -hmm. Like, initially, when you started doing this, did they
1: think it was a bad move for you to try to just pursue some open-ended thing? So I think, like when I was doing it alongside having a job, like they weren't worried at all. Mm-hmm. When I was laid off and I made the decision to go full-time into this, as opposed to jumping back into a job, like my brother is very supportive of that. Um, and so I'm the youngest of three, okay. first off. My sister's 31, my brother's 27, and I'm 26. Mm-hmm. And so he's always been super supportive and he and I have like grown up basically together, so we know each other really well. My sister has played the role of, like, sister slash second mother because she was babysitting us when we were growing up and whatnot. So she kind of strays towards, more towards the side of my parents and that they're worried. Like, my brother was telling me, he was visiting Philly last weekend, and he stopped home to get his snowboard, and he was like... I was talking to mom, and she said, Rob needs to get a full-time job. Like, he's kind of got to mm-hmm. step out of this fantasy world and, and step <laughs> into this, like, back yeah. into reality... Um. So, it's it's what's weird. Like, my family is supportive, but I know that they would much rather me jump back into what's safe. Yeah. And I say that referring to my mom, my dad, and my sister. Okay. Yeah. Your my bro- brother is. Like, brothers on your side. Yeah, he's like go yeah. for it. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> there's. I think there's this <laughs> thing about parents. Like they they want the safer route just because. I think a lot of times parents will just envision the worst and it's like, what if it fails? Mm-hmm. And you don't really have that if you're in, if you're working for Deloitte or something, yeah. like you're, you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And even if something happens or you get laid off, like your resume is, mm-hmm. it, it's transferable to another company. Yeah. Like you're not going to have a problem if you're working in a job like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but with this, yeah, like it, you don't, you don't know. And if they haven't done anything like this, then they're going to have no, there's no basis for comparison for them. They Mm -hmm. don't, they have no idea what you're doing really. Yeah. Like do, do you find that like your parents don't even, they don't even get it like what
1: it is or they sort of get it? They sort of get it, but they don't get the current landscape of opportunity that we have with technology. So, okay. Yeah. Like for them, like the, like they don't understand how you can use Instagram or social media for that point to build a living and like how, how eyes on a project can translate into dollars in your pocket. So for me, it's, it's hard to convey that to them. And they also don't see what I see. Like I'm, I'm really the only person who understands the full breadth and reach of the project. So mm-hmm. I did a podcast with this girl, Jess Lively. We filmed it or recorded it rather on January 2nd. And it aired on January 5th, and that day I started getting messages, like, I started getting messages from Germany, Scotland, Australia, England, like, Boulder, Colorado, all these places of people reaching out, like, hey, this is such a great idea, like, it's inspirational, would love to be part of it. Wow. And I write all of them down, and I have, like, this Excel list. It's it's probably, like, at least 20 different cities at this point. And out of the, the 720... I think you're, like, 724th person I met. Okay. Out of those that many people, I think, like, 650 of them are from Philly. So So you're starting to branch out. Yeah. So. But, I'm, and I'm, you, you will, I guess you have this list, so you're going to start traveling, I guess, to other yeah, places? Yeah, yeah, I'd like to. But, um, but, yeah, it's cool, like, even though I've kept it pretty much demographically in, or geographically, rather, in Philly... It still has that reach just on the fact that people enjoy the story of it. Right. That got the reach just from being in Philly. Like you – it was a Philly podcast you did. Yeah. About – with Philly people (coughs) set in Philadelphia and it still got all over the world just through social media. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Her – well, so my project has been largely based in Philly. Her podcast, she was like in Austin. She's – I think she's from Austin. Mm -hmm. But she has like this national – or international audience. So that was like the channel, how it got out to the – other countries. Okay, right, but as long as you... Yeah, you don't need to know
0: someone who's like really famous. You just need to know someone who is influenced, and then maybe they know someone who is influenced. And it mm-hmm. can, if your story is interesting, it kind of just like it just gets out mm-hmm. eventually. Yeah, it's like on Twitter, someone who has like fifty followers will tweet something, and you see it has like a million retweets because yeah, yeah. it, it somehow found its way to someone who yeah, has yeah. like, it found its way to Donald Trump or something. Uh-huh. Like it, yeah, yeah, it made it all the way to the top. Uh-huh. So I guess yeah, I mean, just social media is insane like that. Mm-hmm. You can get anything in front of people. I yeah. Mean, you need to get lucky, obviously, but, like, if you if you try... It's, like, enough attempts, you're, and if it's good enough, like, eventually, you're going to have something. Uh-huh. And I guess the goal doesn't need to be to get a million listens to a podcast mm-hmm. you did, but... Uh-huh. Just, like, slowly work your way up.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: And, yeah, I mean, parents are just not going to... Like, that whole thing, they've never... You can tell them that, and they'll say uh-huh. they understand, but they've never they've never experienced it, so
1: it's yeah, it's kind of a hard thing to get. Yeah, it's a it's, whole different it's world. It's so new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and that like, I worked for a financial advisor in high school, and he's been sort of a, a mentor of mine throughout life because I saw like he was raised in the same area that I was, and he was just like a super hard working dude, and his net worth at the time when I was working for him was like twenty million dollars. Okay, and not that like. Now, like, I base success less on money, but... Yeah. I mean, if you made that much, like, you did something right, or he worked hard to get that money. Right, that's the assumption. Yeah, yeah. It's not necessarily true. Mm -hmm. You realize that, I guess... I mean,
0: mean, it's not an age thing, I guess, if you... If you're around that sort of thing and think about it for long enough, you realize, like, people just did the right jobs or got lucky, and Mm -hmm. they may just be rich for any number of reasons. Yeah. Like, in that case, was it
1: a guy who... Worked really hard and mm-hmm. was really efficient. Like yeah, in, in that case, sure. Yeah, he's like, he's like the type of dude who like didn't take off for like three years. Okay, and he like he still works weekends um, and doesn't need to. And he's in the office at like six a.m. So, but he told me he was like, it just got to a point where I was, I forget like in his life when he was like, mom, dad, I love you, but I'm gonna take my finances in my own direction like I'm going to be the one in charge of it and that's kind of how I see this project and like my like I love my parents they're super supportive but when they give me advice that counters me putting everything into this project it's like I appreciate that and I know where it's coming from but I'm still going to go in this direction right yeah I guess you consider it but ultimately it hasn't been enough <clears> to, <throat> be, to change your direction mm mm-hmm because i feel like the smarter authority on it at right. this point right you know more
0: about yourself than anyone yeah, yeah. else does mm-hmm. you're thinking about what you're going to do all the time you've way more experience with with you yeah, obviously yeah, yeah 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 um so yeah i guess the best intentions from like a parent's perspective aren't the best results i mean yeah. they go hand in hand sometimes but not always mm-hmm. i'm um i'm currently struggling with this thing i i guess i'll do i want me to get into the backstory a little cuz yeah. you sort of like you're supposed to find out about other people too, yeah, right? Yeah, That's yeah. what you want? Okay. No, that would be awesome. Because I haven't actually explained that much backstory. I mean, my friends know like uh-huh. how that I moved on from like standard jobs to like doing a podcast, but I haven't... Um, I guess there are people listening who may not know all the stuff, uh-huh. and I guess you don't either. Yeah, um, I'm now struggling with basically a second wave of trying to convince my parents that like an alternate direction works because uh-huh. the first alternate direction I did was betting on sports uh-huh. as my profession uh-huh. and that, that didn't end up working out so then I went back to a standard job and now it, I'm trying to do like podcasting and blogging and like some sort of media and it's mm-hmm. now I have to be like oh you <clears> should <throat> trust me like this I know myself better uh-huh. than you do and I can do this like off the beaten path different kind of career thing yeah, and they're like well we, we've we already seen you do it once and fail and uh-huh. I have to be like no this is a different thing Yeah, um, so I guess I'll explain the first thing a little um, mm-hmm. my first job out of college was as a financial advisor so even though I didn't have experience with that I sort of like got more of an analytic background mm-hmm. and I guess I'd, I'd been betting on sports in college but like you sort of You see, like, it's a gambling profession to Uh to trade, to buy and sell stocks for people, to, like, make recommendations, bonds, whatever, like, all the investments. It's essentially gambling. Mm -hmm. And I'm, like, I've been a huge sports fan for my entire life, so it kind of just fit together. And then Mm -hmm. the analytics behind sports betting is just so intriguing because people who bet usually aren't even trying to win uh-huh. like they want to win obviously but yeah. like, they just bet on their favorite teams like it, yeah, for yeah. a lot of people it's just I want to root for something uh-huh. so would you end up with this this huge market inefficiency where people are betting with no information and no insight they just kind of have their feelings mm-hmm. and their, their instincts and whatever and if you use numbers to make predictions on games and it's not even complex numbers it's like points per possession for and four mm-hmm. and allowed for basketball teams and then you just like adjust for the opponent's strength and it's like there's not much to it and then you have some sort of like player evaluation system so if someone's hurt you like you know how much that matters Mm -hmm. but it's it's not that complex and even just using those numbers like you you can win well over half the time Mm -hmm. just because the lines that are set by the vegas casinos reflect what most people are thinking they're not i guess do you like
1: do you have you done or do you know this stuff well um, at all? My roommate bets on sports. Okay. I got friends that do it. Um, yeah. So I know, like, the gist of it. I personally have never done it. Okay. Um, so basically, the there's... Well, there's the first misconception that
0: Vegas is predicting <clears> the <throat> outcomes when they set lines. Uh-huh. So it's like if a team is favored by seven and then they win by seven, people will be like, oh, Vegas knew. Like, they knew the Giants were going to beat the Jets by seven points because mm-hmm. that was the line. Okay. Um, that's not really what it is because what they're mostly doing is trying to make set a line where half the people bet on one side and half the people bet on the other mm-hmm. and then there's like a there's a vig so like a tax so no matter who wins they're going to make money uh-huh. if the action split gotcha but there's an even like that's not always the case because what they'll also do then is sometimes when the giants are favored by seven and 90 percent of the people want to bet on the giants because like jets fans are they gave up on their season yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. Or they just bet against their team or don't care, or whatever. Uh-huh. The Giants fans, like they're just for whatever reason happens to be more bets on one side, mm-hmm. they'll skew the line even further to try to bait people into betting on the Giants. So instead of making the line minus seven, mm-hmm. they can make it minus ten okay. the Giants have to cover a ten point spread and people will still take the Giants. Gotcha. Like they know that they're still gonna take them. And maybe they could go all the way up to minus fourteen, and mm. then the action would split, where it's half on each side. But they yeah. don't because they want. Sometimes they're essentially betting against the public themselves. Uh-huh. So Vegas will he, they they know that the people are wrong. Uh huh. So in those cases, there's like enough information where you can actually look up these betting breakdowns beforehand. Okay. There's some sites that aggregate it, and yeah. you can just basically bet with what the casinos are betting. Okay. So you bet against the masses in those cases. Yeah. Yeah. And if, you're, if your math happens to align with that team mm-hmm. as the right pick, then even better. Like, the, those were the ones where you'd bet the most money, essentially. Gotcha. So most people lose because of that, and I guess I was doing really well for a while. I guess you the, the problem you run into is if you're betting illegally, mm-hmm. like around here, bookies don't want to pay you if you've won too much, or they get some sense that you're like, you know more. Oh, uh, because uh, they're like, this dude won't report it? Yeah, well, they, I think they, honestly, it's like an ego thing. They don't want to lose. Uh, really? like they, they don't want some guy to beat them. Yeah. And it also takes away from their profit. Like yeah, yeah. what I've noticed is that a lot of these bookies were, I guess, their referrals from friends and they were like the fraternity bookie in their <laughs> college, like yeah, from yeah. whatever. I mean, it just it so happens the ones I dealt with were from like predominantly Jewish schools on the East coast, like mm. big sports schools. So there were a lot of people betting on their favorite teams all the time. Uh-huh. Um and then a lot of them live in the city and they just continued the the job yeah. of taking bets. And for the most part, people just continue to lose to them. So if, if you're the person that comes in and they've been making $50 off each person mm-hmm. every game, maybe they make like $100 off each guy a week mm-hmm. for so long and then you start betting like a grand a game and you win, uh-huh. like it ruins their entire business. Yeah, yeah. They're, like they're, they're screwed. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and i like i did get to those amounts after a while really? cuz i started out betting like 50 100 a game and then you win and you start like you increase your bankroll increases you have more money you start yeah. betting more i mean some of it's like just a, an excitement thing like i want to just keep it i want to just keep growing it uh-huh. um so yeah when you're betting large amounts and you win mm-hmm. they, they they sometimes they would pay and then say you're done like i don't want to take your bets anymore uh uh-huh. um But I guess the reason – the main reason it ended besides – the book he's not paying was probably the second biggest reason. It was Mm. mostly from losing at the end because the um, natural human tendency when you're winning Mm -hmm. is to keep betting more. Mm -hmm. And when you're losing, you're supposed to bet less again. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to go back down the ladder. But the human tendency is you want to win it back.
1: So
0: instead of – I was winning bets at thousand uh-huh. dollars, and then I'd increase like fifteen hundred, mm-hmm. and then two thousand, and still be winning. Mm-hmm. And then I'd start losing, and I'd just leave it at two thousand, or even go up to twenty five hundred or yeah, three thousand, and win it all back. And <laughs> I probably blew like over a year's worth of work in like three weeks. Really? Yeah, where I ended up like back to even essentially. Uh-huh. i was just like, well, all right, good times. I'll just stop now. Yeah, I'll yeah. Be- and then I guess yeah, yeah. And then I tried to find a real job, and that was yeah. That was why it ended.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So up until that three weeks, you were, like, sitting pretty? Mm-hmm. I had had downturns before where I was, like, near back to even. Uh-huh. And then I'd, like, stop for a couple weeks and be like, hey, I'm not going to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is every once in a while you'll see some, like, crazy value thing where it's, like, so I guess a standard bet would be the line's, like, a spread of six and you think it should only be three and in those cases you win like a little over 50% of the time because mm-hmm. the line's like slightly off but then you could have situations where like the Cavs announce LeBron James isn't playing tonight mm-hmm. and you're able to make the bet before the casino realizes okay and in those cases your chances of winning the game are like 70% or something mm. like because he Matt he, the whole team's different if he's yeah, there, yeah. Or, like Steph Curry or whatever uh-huh. like major player yeah or maybe there's like some website glitch or because they're it's not regulated. Uh-huh. So you win like a couple of these like bets that kind of like bring you back in. And then I'd, I'd start over and then mm-hmm. I'd, like build it all the way back up. But, um, before that final three week downturn, I was at like my peak uh-huh. profit. It was like, I think, the day after last year's Super Bowl mm-hmm. was, like, as much as I'd ever been up. Like, I had, like, a giant stack, like, a foot-tall stack of cash in my closet. I was like, <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know what I'm doing right <laughs> now. It was a little scary to have that, but I was just looking at it, like, I don't, yeah. I don't know what to do. I can't put it in the bank. I'll just, like, I'll just, that'll be fun activity. Just stare at it for ten minutes a day. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it was going well, and then the, there was, like, a whole emotional roller coaster losing mm-hmm. it that quickly.
1: Mm-hmm. Um
0: so, I guess yeah, that's that was the end of that. Um So now I have to convince my parents mm-hmm. that like if I don't have a standard job, I'll like not screw up. Mm-hmm. And they saw they saw the whole thing like they I was giving them updates on like how I was doing uh-huh. the whole time I was gambling. So Yeah, they obvi- they like they worry that I'm going to just fall back into the same habits or yeah. like, do something else that maybe isn't related to that but just also is a thing that doesn't end up working out for me. Mhm. Um, cause I guess my dad's been working as a, as a bond trader for basically his entire working life, like 30 years. So he doesn't really know anything else besides like a standard point, like a financial job. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he's not like, he has friends who do different things. Like not all of his friends are in that industry, but Mm -hmm. the things that I've tried to do, he hasn't seen before. So it's kind of hard. Yeah. It's kind of hard to convince them Mm -hmm. uh, that, that like that it can work. Yeah. I guess I have to give them examples of other people that are doing similar things. Like, I tell them you, about you. Yeah, like, yeah, hey, yeah. there's this guy Rob. Like, he's doing something different also. Yeah. You can tell them that I'm making,
1: like, a bunch of money right now. Yeah, right? Yeah. But um, I won't have them listen to this, and then I'll just lie to them. Yeah, and I'll tell them yeah, you're, yeah, you're yeah. rich already. Yeah. <laughs> it's there. It's coming. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, That's great. Oh, so I wanted to, I guess, make the comparison between... But we kind of did that already, right? Like the transition from work to um, to starting your project. Yeah. Um, my <clears throat> personal transition was I worked in a healthcare job mm-hmm. for three months from September until a couple of weeks from October until a couple of weeks ago. Uh huh. Um, and it was like spreadsheet analysis and stuff, and I just didn't end up liking it, and I quit. Mm-hmm. And during that time, I was doing this, like the podcast and the blog and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And the main inspiration from it, which it's going to sound weird, but um, I went on birthright in July, mm-hmm. and like I'm not religious at all. Yeah, but there were so many interesting people there, and so much time to like, I wouldn't say meditate, but like just kind of sit and think about what things really matter. Mm-hmm. And it was also like coming off of this whole gambling thing, so I guess a lot of it's coincidence, but. Uh-huh. I had never really had the time, taken any time to just reflect and be like, what stuff matters. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had sort of the same realization that you had like, I don't want money to matter first. Yeah. And I was coming from such a point of everything is about money, Mm -hmm. from betting on sports and then working in finance before that Mm -hmm. and having a background like my dad, that was basically his job was like trading to make money. Yeah. So, yeah, that realization was just. It was so freeing. It was mm-hmm. like I can – I have savings too. I mean most of it is stuff that my parents put away for me, like like stuff since I was a baby. Yeah, but, um, yeah the savings are still there and it's mm-hmm. like I can – I don't have to feel stressed about money as much yeah. as I do. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it sort of like opens you up to so many things. I feel like people – People are scared to... It's not even like they're going to be poor if they mm-hmm. stop working for mm-hmm. a couple months. They just will have less than they did before. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the tendency where... I mean, I got this from sports betting all the time where you'd be up... I don't know, maybe you were up $3,000 in a given week and mm-hmm. you lose on Saturday to go down to 2000 mm-hmm. And you'd be like, I need to get back to where I was before. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't handle it being slightly less yeah, than what yeah, I had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you want to, like, do something... Like, there's this... Anxiety that's completely baseless. Like, yeah. There's no reason to feel stressed about that. Mm-hmm. Like you're still fine. But yeah, people are like, oh, if my salary of sixty thousand went down to fifty, but I had way more free time, I'd still feel shitty that I now am doing worse yeah. than before. Uh huh. Like everything's monetized, I guess yeah, is yeah. what I'm saying. <clears throat> so I don't know, do you feel like that same kind of freedom from yeah. from what you're doing now? It's
1: uh-huh. like I don't Money is a problem, but it's not that much of a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think like money is important to a particular spot. Like, yeah, they, I think they say like seventy thousand dollars a year is like that's where you stop getting more happy. The more money you have, right? There's a happier. diminishing return on happiness. Yeah, after yeah, that's the level. Okay, mm-hmm. and so I guess I saw that because I was near like near that when I was working at Deloitte. And I was like, if I was making double of this, would I be happy? And I was like, not at all. Like, I'd still have a shit life. I'd still be in the office 12 hours a day. What would the money even do with that? Yeah. And so nowadays it's like I love my life. And I'm like, if I can just get to the point of money where I need to survive, then I'm good to go because I already enjoy my life. Yeah. Like, it's kind of flipped. Like, before it was like, I'm going to get all this money and then I'm going to enjoy my life. Right? Most people are completely inverted like that. Yeah, it's yeah. It makes no sense. Um, but it, – and it's cool too. Like I I heard – I feel like a lot of my life is based off of super trivial things that I've been taken to add value to. Okay. One of those things – it might have been on the radio where they were like, yeah, there was a study done that people – are happier when they get gifts that are experiences as opposed to material goods. So like buy someone a vacation instead of yeah,
0: like yeah. a car or something. Yeah, yeah or
1: like going to a show or something as opposed yeah. to having a new shirt. And that stuck with me because I was like, I have so many memories that I can revisit and get just as excited as if I was experiencing them for the first time. And that brings me so much happiness. So I was like, I want to put all of my life into experiences. Yeah. And... For me, like, experiencing a, a something like this, like, it's just a conversation mm-hmm. and meeting a new person is is free and it makes me happy. So it's, like, I don't need a fancy car and I don't need, like, a large house I don't need any of that stuff because yeah. it's not going to make me happy. And I feel like for most people it's, like, having those things is almost false happiness that you justify of having the shit life mm-hmm. you have at work. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely agree with that. Mm-hmm. I think that y-
0: your definition or my definition, maybe they're not exactly the same, but they're different definitions than the standard definition of happiness, mm-hmm. where I think a lot of the standard definition is ego-driven. Mm-hmm. It's like, I need this car <laughs> so that I can feel superior to the person who doesn't have this uh-huh. own car. Yeah. It's just like, why... If you can avoid that, Mm -hmm. you should at Mm -hmm. at all costs avoid any type of thinking along those lines.
1: Yeah, Yeah.
0: you're definitely right that people have it backwards. Mm -hmm. Like, be happy first, yeah, and then you're okay. Fine, I need to monetize something also, but Mm -hmm. the
1: equation should start with let me get in the best state of mind first, and then figure it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I also feel like so going through this process for me. And, like, not having an income for what is now income for like seven months now Uh makes me think a lot more about what I put my money into and makes me use what I have a lot more. So, like, for example, like, I have Sperry's and the sole came across, like, came apart from the actual shoe. So, that would be like something normally I'd just be like, all right, well, I'll go get a new pair of Sperry's. Yeah. Whereas now it's like, all right, I can't really, like, afford that now so I'll just wear the other shoes I have yeah and so I feel like doing more with less I feel like is really cool because it's also I feel like the more you have the more you need to give mental capacity to what you have yeah like if you have a car and it gets dented you're like oh this is terrible like this sucks so much but if you Uh never had the car to begin with then you wouldn't be able to be upset about anything that happened to it. Right. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. there's more yeah. downside for sure. And, like, the car
0: doesn't necessarily drive better than a cheaper car. Yeah, Or yeah. it doesn't even make it more efficient to get around than having no car. hmm But it definitely adds more potential stress to your life. Yeah, yeah. It's like all potential things that can go horribly wrong. And yeah, just, yeah, yeah, You could just remove them to
1: begin with and they're not there. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. So, and I think, like... I guess that goes along with, like, the idea of minimalism that's becoming more popular these days, mm-hmm. and it's, like, I've seen it to be true, but I also am in a state right now where I don't have the ability to have those possessions. So I'm, like, interested in and in hoping that I'll keep this mindset when I eventually get back to that lifestyle. You're worried that if you start
0: making money and can mm-hmm. afford things, you'll just go back to the materialistic type of thinking?
1: Yeah. At least somewhat? Yeah. Yeah, but I, d- I don't think – like, I was never really like that to begin with, but – Okay. Um, yeah, I'm just – hope like, I, all the time on, like, mental note, like, you're happy now. You don't need <laughs> – you don't need stuff. So, so Just like, write it down and then remember, like, just record in your diary every single day. Yeah, thing, like, yeah. things yeah. are awesome and just yeah, write yeah, it yeah. over and over again. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: I definitely – I feel that a little bit. Well, I definitely felt it when I had money, like, when I was betting and doing well. I would, I would order delivery for dinner and just sit there and be like, uh, mm-hmm. should I – Like, it's six extra dollars for them to bring it to me. Uh Would you like, should I do it? Well, obviously, yeah. Yeah. I'll spend $37 to get this chicken parm brought to me (laughs) because, like, why the hell not? Uh Yeah, now that I don't – it's such a healthier way to not – it's so much healthier now to not think like that. Mm -hmm. Like, sure, you should – you shouldn't be too restrictive with what you spend things on, like, Mm -hmm. things that you actually need, like, Mm -hmm. to not go to a show because – you think like $20 is too much to pay for something, mm-hmm. but like you clearly can afford it. You just like, it feels wrong to spend $20 on something like mm-hmm. that. That's not good. But the things that you actually don't need, like a new pair of Sperry like mm-hmm. you have six other different kinds of shoes. Like, yeah. yeah. Don't, there's no reason to just be like, Oh yeah, fuck it. I'll get another one. Like I uh-huh. it doesn't matter. Yeah. Cause yeah, it, it's, it's good to be mindful of it. It like mm-hmm. makes you, it'll probably help you in the long run, I guess, to ha- have had this experience when you
1: have, Figured out how to monetize what you're doing. Mm Yeah, yeah, and that's like I'm thankful that, and I feel like everyone should go through that. Obviously, not everyone in their life will, but I I think it's a lot of people can't. Yeah, but I I don't even think that's true. Yeah, it's it's just unique perspective to see things from both sides. I think that's certainly true that most people can't see it from both sides
0: because Mm -hmm. maybe they didn't have enough money to begin with to splurge so they mm-hmm. never got that experience or maybe they're they're just too scared or fixated or like they're in their their corporate structure their corporately structured career trajectory and like they could never possibly remove themselves from it. Mm-hmm. But I guess I guess if you're going to start on any side that's the side where you'd want to start and then you could always you could always go backwards from there. Yeah. It's I think it's all psychological like why people can't Mm-hmm. accept or cope with, you know, just,
1: there's, there's so much emphasis on money. It's, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I like, So I think one of the good things about my project and like, so you are, I think you're either the 723rd person or the 724th uh-huh. person that I've met. So at this point I've been doing this for a year and a half now. And I've gotten so many different perspectives on life because, I mean, for the normal person, it makes sense not to, like, really view life through other people's lenses because, like, you have your own life. And if your goal is to make it to CEO, like, your mental capacity is going to go towards the steps that take you to CEO. Yeah. For me, my goal is to get to know the people around me, so I'm always, like, putting myself in other people's shoes. And so I've seen over 700 different life paths that could have been my own Mm -hmm. but just haven't so I think that is extremely (coughs) valuable and it's more comforting for me to see things from different angles because I'm like oh you have lived this lifestyle or you've done this and it has brought you here you're like now okay with this because of this reason so I think I've been lucky to get that through my project which contributes to a lot of the this thinking that I have today yeah, it, it's definitely cool. Not just cool, but, like, a f-
0: it's it's useful, mm-hmm. like you're saying, to hear things from everyone's side. It's, like, all these different paths, and it's still, like, people are still fine. Mm-hmm. Like it still works. Yeah, There's so many different ways to make things work. Mm-hmm. And it, but somehow there's a huge chunk of people that we know, or I guess people in the world that are doing things the exact same way. Mm-hmm. Like, they're all in the same type of jobs, and they're not... Experimenting, They're not learning about other people. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. That's, um... I guess, do you ever have this fear that... Like, you're completely... <laughs> I mean, it's going to sound crappy, but, like, you're completely delusional and, like, you, the things you're doing, are, like, it's not going to work. Like, do you wake up in a panic <laughs> in the middle of the night at any point and just go, like, I'm insane. This is not a useful way. Like, I'm going to run out of money and be homeless
1: at some point? S- sometimes I do, th- like, very, like... <laughs> Very rarely do I think that. Um, but I do, like, sometimes I'm like, what What am I doing? Like, am I just crazy right now? Yeah. But c- Because for me, like, I when I was on that other podcast, we were talking about it, and I was, what I said to girl was like, yeah, because you see the ceiling while most people see the floor. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's like, why would I not do this thing? That's going to be a huge success. Okay. And so yeah. I, I think, like... If I had any other mindset, if I had any doubt about it, then I wouldn't be able to, like, fully invest myself in it. Right. Um, Because for me, it's just, like, it's not that it won't be successful. It's just that there may be a bunch of struggles in between now and when it is successful. And I was thinking about Uh it last night. I was, like, I think if you have, like, inhuman dedication towards anything, it's going to catch people's attention. Because they're, like, why is this person so into this thing that they're doing right and like why are they putting so much effort into it when I wouldn't and so I think like seeing someone go off the beaten path and just like continue to truck through it is inspirational for other people um, but yeah I, I've not had any doubts about it eventually becoming successful mm-hmm. but along the way like now it's there are definitely times where I feel like kind of like a failure now and I, th- I think it's just part of of going through the process of becoming successful hopefully yeah. like I really think you need to check your pride at the door if you want to do something like this because even when I talk with my friends or like my friend's parents I don't like to bring up the fact of what I'm doing because it's not anything like n- notable yet right to them it's like oh that's cool like how are you living or what yeah, are you that's doing? That's interesting. That's a good hobby to have. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Like when are you going to get a job? And so, but you know, if it then goes into like something where it tips, then people are like, Oh, that's awesome. That's so cool. Right. And I've already seen it. Like my project is not the point where I have like, I have like, I think 90 DMS right now of people who have reached out to meet. And I just got back to like, 15 people last night, so oh, wow. it was like, my DMs was like 99 plus. which There's more people that want to meet you than, than you can have time for. Yeah, right now. Wow. Yeah, and it's only like 7% of the way through. Uh-huh. And so, it's, it's already gotten to the point where I would tell people about it and they'd be like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you doing this? To the point of people being like, oh, this is really cool. Like, I'd love to be part of it. Right. At this point, you can, st- it's
0: not there yet, but you can see what it is now. Mm -hmm. It's, it's like, explainable now.
1: Yeah, yeah. Maybe not to everyone, but to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I definitely think, like, and I don't know if you've seen that at all. Like, I definitely think you just need to accept the the fact that other people will view you as a failure while internally, like, you're the only one who truly believes you'll be successful. But you also can't say that. You also have to be, like, super humble about it while you're going through because... I could tell you like I'm gonna be successful all day, but if I can't show that, then what's the point? You right, I mean? you just like obviously you think you're gonna be successful yeah, too. Yeah. Like yeah. Uh-huh. It doesn't really strike anyone as anything. Yeah. That mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah.
0: I guess it's a little different for me because I don't have as clear cut of a goal with what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I I guess it's newer but also it's it's freer, so like I can't I can't put quite the effort mm-hmm. into it just not as a matter of not wanting to, just because it's not concentrated enough yet. It's, yeah. like, spread too thin, so uh-huh. I guess at some point I'll need to find a narrower focus. But mm-hmm. just, just like, having the time to think about what you want mm-hmm. and not staring at a computer screen all day. I mean, not at a desk, in an office computer screen. Yeah, it's yeah. your laptop. It's like, it's a completely different thing. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, I definitely understand where you're coming from with having to tell people like oh yeah i'm kind of just doing whatever Mm -hmm. i know i'm gonna figure something out eventually but even though i'm not like as sure of it yet as you are and for good reason um like i still feel confident it's just like the confidence doesn't mean anything to anyone Mm -hmm. they don't they don't no one really cares yeah until you like until you can actually say this is the thing i'm doing and it's making money now people just like don't get it
1: Mm -hmm. yeah that's so true So did you start the podcast after coming back from birthright? I started it...
0: Initially, I was going to start a blog with... It was a couple people that I was there with. Mm -hmm. And then a couple of my friends Mm -hmm. who all had jobs. And I started writing it, like, immediately when I got back. And no one really contributed, so Uh I ended up just doing it by myself. And then I got my job interview, like, right after that. Gotcha. So I... It kind of... I had the blog, I got the job, I continued the blog, but I wasn't able to do it as frequently. Mm-hmm. And then I realized like, I I actually like producing content. It's just being able to express my opinions in mm-hmm. a way that people, I guess in the longer form, like podcasts where people can actually like hear the whole process of the thought, not just the final, mm-hmm. final version of the thought. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was like, this is way more enjoyable than working mm-hmm. and even if I had to work, like, 12 hours or 14 hours a day mm-hmm. doing this, mm-hmm. I would still feel better about mm-hmm. that than six hours a day at a desk, yeah. even if that's all it was. Mm-hmm. Like, when I was betting on sports, it was probably 18-hour days. Really? Like, I – it was all in my apartment. Mm-hmm. But if I would go anywhere, I still could, like – I could do it from my phone. Uh-huh. Um like, I would go to sleep at 3 a.m. after the West Coast college games were over, mm-hmm. and I'd actually set alarms to wake up at 9 a.m. to check the, the spreads for the next day. Really? Yeah. So, like, but it didn't feel like work.
1: Uh-huh. I guess yeah, that's yeah. the difference.
0: I, I think you probably experienced this a lot, just having the control over your hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, it makes it not feel like work, mm-hmm. where no one's telling you what to do. Yeah. Like, even, I guess, like, if you wanted to take a day off, you can yeah. You would you'd feel anxiety about it, mm-hmm. but you, no one could tell you not to. And I guess also it's like a good self-filtering, self-regulating system. The anxiety itself is like, okay, now I need to be more motivated. Like uh-huh. I feel bad when I'm not doing productive things. Yeah. Let's do productive things. Uh-huh. I guess, yeah, the, the the I forget who I heard it from, but the anxiety as a motivator argument seems to make a lot of sense because – a lot of people just want to get rid of anxiety, uh-huh. and if you get rid of anxiety, you you don't want to do anything. Yeah, You're just like I, okay, everything's fine, uh-huh. and then you end up you make no progress in your life and it's yeah, just like, yeah.
1: whatever.
0: Because I was feeling anxiety at work, like this is not meaningful. I don't like this, mm-hmm. and that that prompted me to quit. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I have a day where I don't write anything, mm-hmm. like I feel anxiety about that too. So yeah. I, I feel like it's all healthy, mm-hmm. like it it's a mental
1: filter process. Yeah. I agree with that, and I I completely understand, because with this project, I will... Like, my schedule, I usually meet people starting at 9 a.m., and then going... So, like, 9 a.m., then 11 a.m., 2 p.m., 4 p.m., and 6 p.m. Okay. But in between... So, like, usually I'm in Philly, and I'm riding my bike from place to place. So, like, if I meet someone from 9 to 10, I then, from 10 to 10.30, I'm like writing their story, getting their picture, posting it on Instagram, mm-hmm. and then traveling the next 30 minutes like on my bike to wherever the next spot is. Okay. And so it's always like full, and then I'll come home at the end of the day, I'll eat dinner, I'll go up to my computer and I'll start messaging people on Instagram till like 11 o'clock at night. But those things, like that does, that can't feel that difficult, right? Like right, you, no. It's you're easy. like happy to do that. Yeah, yeah, because it's like, it's directly affecting me. Uh-huh. Um, But I wanted to clarify. So I understand what you said when you were doing 18 hour days. So were you, did you quit the financial advisor job to do sports betting full time? It wasn't exactly causal
0: like that, Mm -hmm. but I had started, I was betting while I was working. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, I guess having the sports betting thing was, was like, trying to think of a percentage to attribute the reason for it to Mm -hmm. maybe like a third to half of the reason. Mm -hmm. I I guess it was primarily, I didn't want to work as a financial advisor. I thought it was like not the highest job in terms of morality and like ethics. Mm -hmm. And, um, I didn't think that anyone could really like have a better take on the market than someone else to like a significant degree. And at least like I wasn't there, it would have taken me years to get there Mm -hmm. even. Um, and yeah, I just thought like I was comparing investing in stocks to betting on sports and just like betting on sports is so, it makes so much more sense and it's so much simpler mm-hmm. and you can win so much more easily and I like it more because I'm a sports fan. Uh-huh. So yeah, I guess when I was doing those 18 hour days though, like what you're talking about, mm-hmm. I wasn't working, I wasn't necessarily working the whole time because mm-hmm. like a lot of it is just watching the games, yeah, which yeah. isn't even a necessary component. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, like, I wanted to do that. I like to Mm -hmm. watch them. Yeah. Um, And I guess, yeah, if I wanted to, like, go to the gym in the middle of the day or, you know, take whatever time to, like, hang out with someone, Mm -hmm. all of that could be worked in. So I guess it was 18 hours in terms of start to finish, Mm -hmm. but you have space in the middle to work in whatever you want, which Uh I like a lot. Like, eight hours straight at a desk is so much different than, like, 12 hours where you're only working eight of them and you have periodic breaks to, like, reset. Mm Mm-hmm. Which yeah. I guess, like, if you're riding your bike around, that's probably, like, you you can, like, refocus your mm-hmm. energy.
1: Because
0: mm-hmm. that's, I mean, walking, driving, whatever, just, like, you're moving. So yeah. that, that's, that has to be helpful, right? Uh-huh. How far would you typically bike to go meet people? Is it, like, long distances? The most is probably, like, 30 minutes. Okay. Um, so you're, like,
1: incorporating some amount of exercise into it. Oh, yeah. I, I bike, like, five miles a day, probably. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and probably oftentimes more than that, because I'll go, like, to a place and then back to my place, and, like, to a place, back to my place, because mm-hmm. sometimes I'll write the stories, like, at my house, and I just, I like being there to write them. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, sometimes I'll go from, like, I'm, like, kind of, like, on the east side of Philly, like, okay. the northeast center city. Sometimes I'll go to West Philly, and that's, like, a half-hour bike ride. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah, it's cool. It's like exercise is a byproduct of the yeah of the thing. Yeah. a lot of people say they don't have time to work out, but like that,
0: you're literally making your life faster by working out. Yeah, your exercise gets you from one place to the next. Like I um, I make it a point to take the stairs up and down in my building every mm-hmm. day, even though I'm on the tenth floor. Yeah, because like it's quicker than the elevator, and mm-hmm. it's also exercise. So it, it gives me more time, and mm-hmm. it's useful. Like most people would be like I. I don't know. I can't find five minutes in the morning to go, like, go run or do some push ups or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, I guess it's like this very binary thinking, like, I can do this or this, mm-hmm. which kind of relates to like the whole employment thing. Like, I'll either work this job or this job, and they, they can't, people don't take the time to process. Like, there are other things out there.
1: Yeah. There
0: yeah. are other ways to make things work.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you did financial advisor, then. You were, like, solely focused on sports betting? I had... Or were you working I should alongside? probably
0: mention this one. So, I had two jobs while during the sports betting thing. Okay. One was a summer internship working for a baseball company. Okay. So, that's sort of, like... I think it was during, like, one of my downturns where, like, the betting wasn't going as well, and I had taken somewhat of a break, and I was like... And this internship opportunity popped up, I... I think a friend told me about it. And yeah, like yeah. A baseball radar company. I was like that. Sounds awesome. So uh-huh. I, I did that for two months. It was just an internship. And then while I was there, I found out about this startup that was starting a. They were trying to start a hedge fund that would bet on sports. Mm-hmm. Um, this was I think it was the end end of twenty fifteen. And it was it was like perfect. I was I was in the midst of betting at the time and the job itself was going to be focusing on that exact thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and we, we were like, there were only, I think there were five people working in the office. I think it was no bigger than like, like this, it's like a living room, the Mm -hmm. whole office. Yeah. Like we were sitting at a table, like one table together every Uh day. Um, and we were putting together like theoretical models and stuff Mm -hmm. and like, making hypothetical bets and, like, tracking on a spreadsheet, like, this is how we would do if we were in Vegas, and mm-hmm. that was, the, like, we were going to move to Vegas if, we, if it went well. Yeah. And then after a few months, the boss just decided that he didn't want to move his family to Las Vegas from New York, and mm-hmm. then it, it just shut down. Oh. That was the end of that. Yeah. And I, I was, I got I got laid off like a month before they actually closed, maybe two months before. huh Because I think they made a last-ditch effort to, like, move away from sports betting and think of, like, some other project. Yeah, So yeah. I wasn't really needed. Mm-hmm. But I remember when I got fired, I was like, this is such a relief. Like, I can just go home and, like, I can have my... I had two laptops. Mm-hmm. I think I had three at one point, actually. uh uh-huh. Where I'd, like, watch... Netflix on one and then like check the betting stuff on the other yeah, one or yeah. two with the whole day. I was like, this is great. I can go do my thing now Yeah, yeah. instead of just sitting here in the office and doing it. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, that company would have been, it would have been perfect because I was getting, I was getting paid too, mm-hmm. which made, yeah, made the whole thing a lot more palatable. Like when you lose money, yeah, betting yeah. wise, at least you have a salary. Uh-huh. So without that, when you lose money, I mean, it's, yeah, it's like as stressful as anything. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I was working, like, intermittently while I was doing that. So. Okay. Yeah, I've now had four jobs that all have – I think they've cumulatively lasted one and a half years. Okay. Through are four jobs. <laughs> you tell people that, it's like, oh, you can't hold a job. It's like, well, I mean, I did – quit two of them and one of them ended yeah because it was an internship and the other one the company went out of business. So like
1: Yeah yeah.
0: I mean what do you want from me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean I just I don't care about that sort of feedback. Like mm-hmm. someone says and maybe you've gotten the same thing, like you can't hold a job, you mm-hmm. have to do this like crazy because 'cause you're not good enough to have a regular job. Mm-hmm. Like it just whatever.
1: I don't care that you say that at all. Mm-hmm.
0: It doesn't it doesn't mean anything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's kinda like I always have just been, like, unless I'm dead, like, I can still become a success. So, I've always mm-hmm. just been, like, focused on that. Um, I'm going to check the timer up, Do you mind? Yeah, you yeah, go. Okay. I think we're, like, almost at an hour. Yeah. Maybe right about an hour. Yeah. So, I. yeah. Do you have to – are you meeting someone next? I mean, yeah, we can cut it now. The yeah. I think we covered, like, as much as we could cover. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I have yeah, someone to meet at five that I got to travel to meet. Okay. Um Yes, we can cut it. That's clear. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks for,
0: I guess, yeah, thanks for doing this over radio. Yeah, yeah. It's like a
1: little bit abnormal for what you normally do. Yeah, and th- thanks for being part of my thing as well. Yeah. It's like I don't know if the people listening are fully aware, but like, you want to do like a plug again? I don't
0: know how many people listen to, how many people actually listen to these things. It's not that many, but if you want to like say again what it, what your project's called and. where they can find you on Instagram, Twitter, or whatever
1: it is. Yeah, so it's just Rob's 10K friends um, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Everything is mainly done through Instagram, but, yeah, this has been our hour together of me spending, like, one hour with (laughs) 10,000 people. So you are now part of the club, too. Nice. Yeah. Well, glad to be a part of it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, thanks for being part of it. It's definitely an interesting story.
0: Yeah. Yeah.